The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 25 The Sun Kept Setting June 2002 I was about to follow Logan into his room when the closed door at the end of the hallway popped open and Sam stepped out, looking sour. Hey, I said. He didn't respond right away. He just pointed toward Logan's room and then sort of herded me toward it. Once in Logan's room, Sam closed the door behind us and sighed louder than was probably strictly necessary. Mom? Logan asked. He was sitting at his desk already, digging through a drawer. Yeah, Sam said. She thought I should have RSVP'd earlier for your party. Which I should have, by the way. Sorry about that. Logan laughed and waved a hand. All good. Hey, I did bring you something, though. Sam reached into his pocket and pulled out a small envelope of some kind. He tucked it in his brother's shirt pocket. Hey, thanks, man, Logan said, reaching into his pocket and pulling out the envelope. He opened it up. You didn't have to. He cut himself off, and a clearly unimpressed expression took over his face. This is a coupon for a buy one, get one free at your ice cream shop, he said. You're welcome, Sam smiled smugly. Great, thanks. I guess I'll have to use this when I come down for Halloween. Oh no, it'll totally be expired by then, Sam replied. You're coming to Burning Rock for Halloween? I asked. Oh yeah. Logan's face brightened, seeming to have already forgotten Sam's slight. Reed throws a crazy Halloween party. And he lets us drink, so I'm definitely in. He'll probably invite you this year, Sam told me. Usually invites all of our friends. Logan's room was somehow even more minimalist than Sam's. That was impressive, given that Sam didn't even live in his room anymore. There were less books in here and a lot more baseball memorabilia. I was super glad that Logan's baseball season was done, so there was no chance I would get invited to a game. So about that book, Sam said. Yeah, it's around here somewhere, Logan replied. Check that drawer. He pointed to the top of the dresser. Sam opened it up, closed it again, and said, Nope, that's just your severed finger collection. Dude, I was wondering where that went, Logan said. So tell me about this book, I said as the brothers continued to look. It'll make more sense if you just see it, Sam said. It's super weird. Tell me anyway, I said. Well, our great-grandma had a children's book printed. It was always weird. There were things, maybe creatures. She didn't draw them directly. She always drew them just kind of out of frame, like in a reflection or something. That immediately sounded familiar. So they're probably related to Reed's paintings, right? I asked. Starting to think they might be, Sam said. 
I wasn't liking where this was going. I phrased my next question carefully, uncertain of how much Sam had told his brother. Do you think there are people in your family who believe that the monsters are real? What? Logan asked before Sam could reply. No, come on. I mean, my family is crazy, but not crazy, you know? I knew Logan didn't mean any harm by it, but that still struck a nerve. I'm not so sure, Sam said, turning to Logan. I'm starting to think our family might believe all kinds of stuff. Logan looked at him funny, but didn't respond. He reached up to one of the high shelves above his desk, and a smile spread across his face. Found it, he said. He took the book down off the shelf and wiped a layer of dust off the cover. The book was simple enough, the size and shape of one of those little golden books we all grew up with. The cover was tame. It showed a small house with a hill in the background. If the house had been bigger, I might have thought it was Reed's house. The odds seemed good that Reed's house had inspired this art. The Thing Beside Your House. I read the title out loud. That's comforting. Sounds like a normal kid's book. I opened it up. The first page contained a cartoon night sky with a small text box at the bottom. It only took me a moment to realize I was reading a poem. Evening falls on every front. My dear, we turn away. We look to monsters all around to join us in the fray. I'm not sure why we would want the monsters to join us in the fray, I muttered. Oh, come on. Logan folded his arms and leaned back against the only wall with a poster. It was for Jurassic Park 3. Don't fall back on lazy stereotypes, he said. Who's to say the monsters are bad? I thought back to the creature from my dreams, reaching for me, ever nearing, never stopping. It felt bad. It felt like something I didn't want to be around for. I turned the page again, but this time my smile faded. There was a drawing of a little brick building with a tree in front of it. In fact, it looked a lot like my apartment building. But there was something strange about it. There were tentacles in the tree. Sam glanced at the page. That looks like Burning Rock, too. It kind of looks like the apartment building, he said. It sure does, I replied, already starting to read the words. They live in sands and whisper words that none of us can say. Under floors and under walls or making marks in sod. Making marks in sod? That sounded familiar. I thought back to the broken and matted patch of grass and debris outside of Lana's window, the spot that looked like something large had slept there for a very long time. I glanced up at Sam, trying to figure out if he was picking up on any of this stuff, or if it was just me. I continued to read. They grant us gifts, they grant us power, they teach us all their ways. They live nearby and pass their power to those of us who stay. What did that mean? What power was this lady talking about? She made it sound like the monsters wanted to help people in Burning Rock. 
Somehow, though, in this context, even an offer of help felt malicious. Curious, I flipped all the way to the end of the book. If Sam's relative had really written this for the family, maybe it held some kind of strange connection to real life. As crazy as it sounded, maybe there was some kind of message hidden in this kid's book. The last page of the book was definitely weird. It showed several of the monsters in the street, though none of them were clearly depicted. Instead, a mass of tentacles reached up into the sky, and each tentacle was wrapped around the sun so that, effectively, together, they blocked out its light. Only a small sliver of light cracked through, bathing the city in pale gray tones. I flipped one page back, hoping to find some sort of context for the meaning of this page. There was nothing, just a little poem about parents tucking their kids in while the monsters hung out in closets. What is this thing? I closed the book and drummed on it with my fingers. This is messed up. Sam was frowning. It really is, he said. He reached out and took the book from me and flipped through a few more pages. Can I take this home with me? He asked Logan. Sure thing, Logan clapped. Now let's go get some deviled egg ice cream. You've got to be kidding me, Sam groaned. Dude, you're such an old man, Logan said. At least try to get with it. Logan and Sam made their way out of the room and down the hallway toward the stairs. I followed, slowing down in front of the bathroom. There had been something about the mirror in there. Something that stuck in my memory. Maybe it was a little too dim, like it was backed by speckled mercury. Maybe it was off-center. I glanced at the bathroom as I walked by. A shape greeted me. It was barely there indistinct, tall, willowy, shaped like the form of a person, but all shadow. I blinked, and it was gone. Sam and Logan were already halfway down the stairs. I hurried to catch up. We reached the kitchen, and Logan noticed the giant pink box sitting on the island. That the cake? he asked. Let's hope so, I replied. Come to think of it, neither of us had checked the cake before we left. He grinned and pulled a knife out of the butcher block. Sam and I watched him cut himself a slice and proceed to stuff it into a mug instead of put it on a plate. On one hand, it seemed like people normally waited until the cake was served to dig in. On the other hand, this was Logan's party and I wasn't a snitch. Logan proceeded to serve all three of us cake in a mug, and then we went back to the yard. Logan headed off to talk to Donnie and the hacky sack people, and Sam and I sat down in a couple of camping chairs in range of the mister hanging from the Grayson family arbor. We sat in silence for a moment before Sam said, You probably think I'm a bad brother. It wasn't a question. To be honest, it startled me because I hadn't been thinking about Sam at all. I had been thinking about the shadow person in the bathroom and the way that these monsters, whether they had any basis in reality or not, had taken over a major part of my life. 
So I thought about a statement for a moment before I answered, no, I said, and I meant it. It actually reminds me of me and my sister. Saying that out loud, though, I wasn't so sure that it was a good thing for either of us. Sam nodded, leaned back, and closed his eyes. Do you ever wonder what our lives would have been like if we hadn't met under such weird circumstances? I asked. Like if Brad hadn't disappeared and Crown wasn't treating us like junior crime scene investigators and I wasn't nocturnal and we were all just college students taking stupid courses we didn't like. Well, for starters, I think Crown would have turned us into crime scene investigators in any universe, Sam replied. But... I don't know. Except for the really bad stuff, I'm kind of glad it's like this. I would rather try to solve a problem than do another brunch or movie night or whatever. Wow, you really are in rare form today, I said. Sam rolled his eyes. I mean, I don't hate movies. I just mean, what's life without a shake-up now and then, right? I mean, I think that's why we both like the city. There's stuff happening here. We stuck around until the sky in the west turned pink and the last of the guests faded into the gray. I had a surprisingly good time talking to Logan and Donnie, but mostly Sam. The last of the guests trickled out and Logan came to sit with us, holding a mug of something that sloshed suspiciously like hot chocolate, even though it was obviously way too hot for hot chocolate. I'm glad you guys came. Logan said, taking a sip of his drink. He nearly imperceptibly winced, and it went a long way to convincing me of my hot chocolate theory. Hey man, I'm serious about making it out more, Logan said. In fact, I think you guys might be seeing more of me. Oh yeah? Why is that? Logan asked, and though I thought I detected the practiced detachment of someone who had heard this kind of thing plenty of times before... He seemed kind of hopeful. I'm moving back, Sam said. So that was that. I tried not to look disappointed. Now that it was becoming more definite, I found myself wondering what would become of our friendship when he moved back here. Even if I moved back, were we going to see each other? Was our friendship a proximity thing glued together by the fragile bonds of a shared sense of humor and mutual mocking? I hoped not, but I had lived long enough to suspect that this might be the case. Logan smiled, though, and said, Finally getting sick of the perfect coastal views and the seagulls guiding your way to work in the morning? Something like that, Sam said. Sam went to find his mom so he could say goodbye. Normally, I would have thanked my host too, but I was a little scared of Mrs. Grayson, and I didn't think I was going to be seeing her again anytime soon anyway, so I opted to hang out with Logan. We sat in silence for a moment, the type that was friendly and not awkward. Then Logan turned to me, wearing a more serious expression than I had seen thus far. Keep an eye on him he said. What do you mean? I asked. Logan shook his head. Not totally sure. 
October 2007. Back then, I hadn't been sure what Logan meant, but maybe now I know. Maybe he'd been warning me that Sam was going to run. And maybe Sam really had. That would actually explain a lot. Maybe he just decided that he wasn't interested in us anymore. Either way, Logan predicted the future that day, forever cementing himself as a prophet in my mind. The patron saint of deviled egg ice cream and hot chocolate in the summer and restless people who can't seem to stay in one place more than a few minutes. Logan and I ended up talking a lot the year after Sam disappeared. We would call each other and talk about our latest harebrained theories, talk about how neither one of us really knew what to do. I'm not trying to compare what I lost to losing a brother. I know it's so much worse for Logan, but we understood each other to an extent. We were both so panicked and then determined and then sad, and neither one of us really managed to give it up. We never felt like we could. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>